Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Most of the text will be up on the screen, so you'll be able to follow me, but I'm going to be jumping around all over the place. But for my main text that we're working out of, it's going to be Second Peter 1, and we're just going verses 1 to 2. And so most of y'all are usually in here, you know that I usually preach like 50 scriptures every sermon or whatever, but like I just, this is literally just the intro into this text, but when I started reading it, I just kind of got captivated in a particular part of it, and I'm just going to try to preach it and unpack it really, really big. Um, so I want you to follow along, and, and, and I think this is going to be an encouraging word for our church. It was super encouraging for me. All right, y'all ready? So I'm going to get to reading. So it says, Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To those who, <clears throat> sorry, that was a note. <laughs> Verse two says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's our text right there, all right? Y'all with me? Did I didn't lose anybody that quick? Were you in there? All right. I need, y'all need to say something, man. Come on, man. Get your black church out, whatever. I need some. I'm just telling you, man. I ain't trying to, you know, trying to start no racial wars, but I'm just coming. Somebody stomp a foot or something up in here, you know? All right. So, so check this out. So let me just take you through my, my whole study on this deal, right? So I'm reading this scripture. And it starts off how we typically see books in the Bible start um, when they're penned by Paul or whoever else. And it's like, and he says, you know, I'm a servant and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? But then he says this next statement. He says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know about you or what you hear when you hear that, but when I read this, it kind of reeked up a little bit of kind of arrogance a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was my first thought. I was like, I had to come back and stare at it, because I'm like, those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, it kind of is like, I'm like, hold up, brother. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like if I was to be like, for all of y'all who are as saved as I am in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd be like, uh, what did you just say? It just has this kind of thing to it. So I'm like, so I just started kind of looking at that or whatever, right? And it all, it, it, it it also had like a kind of a little bit of a divisive kind of feel. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like you ever been like played basketball? Like, you know, you like remember when you start to pick teams? But you ever had like the guy that always like wants to pick like his people, like the whole group first? So he don't want to go like, yo, I got so-and-so. Then you got so-and-so. He's like, yo, me, this, 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 and that, whatever. He wants to pick everybody, right? So he, he, he picks too tall Jamal, slam Duncan Debbie, super fast Freddie, behind the back Zach, everybody. And you just like, homie, like you ain't leave me with nobody. You get what I'm saying? So it kind of has this thing where like he kind of did this kind of divisive thing or whatever, and you, you would think that his... His notion is about, you know, this kind of hierarchy thing. That's, it just, that's kind of in that statement, if you stop right there, right? But then he says this next thing. He says, by the righteousness. Whose righteousness is he, is he referring to? Y'all, somebody help me out if you got the text in front of you. Who, ain't nobody got the text? Come on now. He says, of, that's right. Our God and our Savior Jesus Christ, right? So he's actually... He's actually doing this thing where he's actually, um, he, he's, he's pointing to 
the quality of being a Christian, not based on our works, but by the work of God in Jesus Christ our Savior. Do you get, you get that? So it's, it, it's, it's this very kind of weird thing that I want you to be kind of wrestling through as we go through this thing, because it's this thing where it's like, yo, y'all who have obtained this thing, but it has nothing to do with you actually being, obtaining it. It's, talk, it, it. it's actually a statement about what God and what Jesus have done, right? So those of y'all who have, who have nothing to the offer, but by the goodness of God and by Jesus Christ have obtained this thing. It's a kind of weird dynamic. Y'all with me so far? Yeah. It's a huge statement. It's a very, very huge statement. Um, I want to read something to you really quick. This is 2 Corinthians 12. You don't have to turn there at all. 2 Corinthians 12 says this. It says, verse 8, uh, verse eight it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is Paul talking, right? But listen to the statement. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is God speaking to Paul. Paul is going to God, talking to him about something he's dealing with, like, Lord, get this thing out of me. Help me with this thing. And God is like, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. It says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Y'all peep that out? It's a very weird thing or whatever, because the way the world works these days or whatever, being weak is not being strong. Being strong is being strong. Being weak is being weak, right? And normally our motivation is like, yo, step your game up, get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right. But this is like doing this other thing where it's actually pointing to somebody who got it right for somebody who was very wrong, or somebody who was very strong for somebody who's very weak. And so what we see happening up there with Peter is that he is actually making this, he is opening this people group based on the work of somebody else, right? It's almost like if we all get, you know, like, it's like when you go to the club or whatever, don't act like you ain't never been to the club, all right, all right. Don't act like you ain't never been to the club. Don't get extra holy up in here. You didn't been up in the club, but you know what it is. Like, maybe you didn't had it before or whatever. Like, you go to a club, and you, like, trying to get in the club or whatever and stuff, and you just, like, my money's looking funny or whatever. They charging a whole bunch of money at the door, and then the dude at the door is like, yo, your whole squad, y'all dress getting crazy. All of y'all come in for free. So you kind of like, yo, all of y'all who have obtained free entrance into the club, follow me. It's kind of like you make this group. You ain't paid for it. It just happened. Y'all all went in there. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I just want y'all to put it together a little bit. All right. Better check the clock real fast. Make sure we good. All right, let me, let me show something to you. So Christ is doing this thing. Well, he's, he's the bouncer or whatever. We out there, we broke. He's picking the team. Y'all with me? He's picking the team. But we ain't even dressed good. He's like, yo, you beat up, battered. You don't even belong here. But he's like, come on through. I got you. I paid your way or whatever, right? So he's picking the team here. First Peter 2.9 says this. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So 
what this scripture is pointing to right here, and I know I'm picking and pulling from a couple things. If you got your pen and a pad, make sure you run back and hit these things so you can flush them out a little bit more. But with the statement plain and clearly saying that God's people, his children, those who are followers of Christ, those who are believers, we have no room to boast in what we've done, right? I always say this all the time. Yo, we're not the good people that follow God, right? We're some messed up, jacked up people that got pulled into this thing by a very good, merciful, loving God. That's the, that's the story we proclaim. We proclaim his excellency because if we, start, if we start qualifying ourselves based on our works, then all of us will be in the street. And we'll actually be in the street next to the people we think are the worst people in the world. Matter of fact, you'll probably be in line behind them somewhere. You get where I'm coming from? So this thing is always about pointing to Jesus Christ. So that opening statement he says is so beautiful because he's like, those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. He sets this line, but he's not even talking about this self-righteous line that he's made unto himself, but he's talking about a line that was made by the blood of Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? A chosen race. So Christ is choosing here, right? So Christ, let me tell you how he works. When, when Christ picks teams, he picks Little Legs Lisa, Super Slow Joe, No Arms Amy. I don't feel good with I don't feel goody-woody. I, I couldn't think of anything else. I, I, I had to work really, I worked for hours on these names, I'm sorry. And let me apologize, because there's some people in here with these names or whatever, and they're probably like, <laughs> word up, all right, okay. All right, all right, all right. Don't take it personal, it's nothing personal. I just, it just rhymed or whatever, right? I just need to make the point or whatever. God picks people who don't got no skills at all. They'd have nothing to bring to the table. That's what he's doing. He's choosing this race. You know, we get it confused or whatever. You see this in the church all the time because you read, you read in 1 Peter 2 and he's saying, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Those are beautiful statements, and we should walk around intoxicated with that truth all the time. We should always be like, this is the truth. Like, we are the righteousness of God. But when you start forgetting by which way you are actually brought into this people group, that's when it gets really, really messy. That's when it turns into this really, really ugly thing because it comes into this self-righteous thing that begins to declare your own excellency as opposed to claiming the excellency of God our Father and His Son Jesus. You get where I'm coming from? It's, 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 it's everything. It's everything, but I won't jump too far. This is a scripture I love right here. Isaiah 41. Y'all know a scripture's about to be gangster when you see me, when I do the lean and I go like this right here, that means I think the world of this scripture. In Isaiah 41 and verse 14, I'm just going to take a little piece of it, but the context of this right here is God is talking to his people, and he's basically talking about the enemies, the enemies of God's people. They like, they pretty much, they ramping up. They like, yo, we're going to come through and we're going to crush all of y'all or whatever and everything else. They're talking really, really big talk. So God is speaking to his children, and he says this, fear not you worm Jacob, causes people a worm, and it's a term of endearment. It's a compliment. He says, fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's talking to his people, and he is saying, like, yo, you're worms. And I love that because I'm your daddy, and I'm going to come through. You get where I'm coming from? Like, I don't know if you're like, if, if you're a parent, like, I'm going to confess some sin. Like sometimes your kids, when you're a parent, they get in trouble at school, and then you get that call, and your kid comes and tells you, like, yo, so-and-so smacked me, or whatever. And you're like, 
and you know, you get forgetful. And you're like, who smacked you, yo? Where are they at? And you're only like six years old. But in your mind, you're like, I'm going to come handle this. Do you, anybody ever felt that kind of anger? I mean, you're not going to go do it. You're like, this is wrong. I can't go choke a kid or whatever. I need to handle this a better way. So by the grace of God, we usually work to a better position to handle the situation. But that first thing that we feel is this kind of thing like, yo, little Timmy got to get it. He got to get it. I'm coming to chill, son. I got it. But like, it's this thing or whatever where it may be a little bit warped, but it's this thing where we're like, yo, I want to come fight for my, 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 my kid, right? And so you, you often hear me talk about this idea where like when it comes to being children of God, we, also, we often have this orphan complex. So we do this thing where we're always thinking about working to earn our place in our new adoptive, adopted home. I can't mess up or else I'll be thrown out the house. And that is not how God works. God is like on the side like, yo, you are my child. Your problems are my problems, whatever, this and that, and I'm with you. Like it's a father, son, father, daughter, father, you are my children relationship, right? So when we start to see it different, it gets twisted and weird because we think we got to start earning for, you know, earning stuff for our father to love us. And then we go into work. And when we go into work, we completely undermine this scripture that we even started with. This scripture about having an equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. We distort the gospel by making it work for us to earn our place in it instead of celebrating what our Father has done, right, through his son Jesus. Are you with me? This is, this is the foundation of the gospel. If you miss this, everything gets weird. This is why so many of our churches have gotten weird. It's plain and simple. That one thing has taken everything and twisted everything so much. And it's why we have to hold to it so hard, right? But God loves coming through for worms. The problem is, is that we got flesh on our body. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being a worm. I want to have a master plan, and I want to kill it, and I want people to say, man, Jay, you want to talk about a leader. <laughs> that guy there, he, his blood and soul, he just lays it. That's how nasty my flesh is. It wants to be celebrated, right? So one of the things we do to crucify our flesh is we expose the nasty little lies about ourselves, and we walk in the light and we confess our sin, and we depend on our brothers and sisters to be able to repent to each other and tell the truth about the gross things about ourselves, and so we can point each other back to Jesus Christ, the one who's really going to get it done, right? the one who we're going to actually follow, the one who's going to add on to us as we follow him through our father or whatever, the one who actually loves us and gives us rest and kills the anxiousness of feeling like we have to accomplish something to be made whole. We've already, he's accomplished something to make us whole. Are y'all with me? Okay. Fear not, you worm. That's just the best thing on earth. No arms, no legs, no defense, only the father sufficient for us. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I forget this thing all the time, right? This week, I was talking to, um, to, to one of my neighbors, right? Scan the room, make sure homeboy ain't up in here. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> I was talking to one of my neighbors, right? And I, I probably have mentioned this before. Like, so in my head, I have this thing where I'm just like, it's a it's a it's a job like I like I I want to like I want to minister to this to this guy and everything else or whatever um, and so 
when we get a chance to have these conversations. Some days I'm not in the mood. I can't talk to him. I got to keep it moving and grooving because he'll throw my day off. So the other day I, I get into this conversation with him, and homeboy just, he just went in. He assaulted my kids. He was hitting racist stuff. Like, it, like, like he just was going the extra mile with it. You know, he didn't think that he was doing it. You know what I'm saying? He was like, but your kids, man, they're different. Because, you know, like some of the other ones, like, you know, and I'm like, other ones? Who, brother, what are we talking about here? Like, it was like, he was like, he was hitting it hard. He was hitting it hard, right? And he's, you know, he just was going with it, whatever. He just, he, he, he always takes it to politics real heavy. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I don't really care about the politics thing, whatever. He's like, nah, man, but you know this and that. And then he starts talking to me about people being too black. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, and I'm like, and so the old me, like, there's a couple flashes of just like, I'm like, I could choke him. We live on the water. I could just throw him back there. <laughs> Nobody ever know. I'm going through all type of emotions in the moment. And in all honesty, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm, I'm like, God, what do I do right now? I know how to deal with it in anger. I knew how to be mean. I knew how to straighten them out. But I still was like, I could feel my arms growing to try to reach around his neck, right? But then I'm, but, 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 but the thing is, is that, like how he starts this scripture, before he goes into his, his, his title of I'm an apostle of God, he says, I'm a servant. The translation is actually, I'm a slave. He's saying that God is my master, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a slave, and let me give us a better context than how we think of slavery in America. He's saying, like, I'm a bond servant. Like, like I'm a bond servant. Like, I'm like, Lord, your will is my will, right? And so I'm contending against my flesh in this moment. The arms are starting to come out, whatever. One arm's come like this and that, and I can feel this happening in the moment. And I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Because I, my flesh is coming forth. It's coming forth. I'm getting mad. I'm getting angry. I'm feeling insulted and everything else or whatever. And then my conviction was this right here. My conviction was, first of all, Jay, who in the world do you think you are? Because you've done so much worse than what's happening right now, right? Yet you've been lavished with mercy from God. You shouldn't even be here, but you want to choke somebody because they're insulting you. It's one of the things that made me kind of sit back a little bit. And I'm going to tell you the honest truth. One of the things I started rolling through and pondering throughout my day was, like, I was wondering, I'm like, should I go ahead and set it off on my man real quick and go ahead and live with the strife for the next 20 years we may live in? Because I was just like, let me go ahead and just push this button real fast and make this thing hurry up so I don't have to walk out and work through this anymore, right, in my impatience. But then it's like, God was like, you got... You may have 20 years next to this man to walk out and speak to him every day, right? To combat whatever he's got going on with a smile, to lavish him with mercy and grace, because I know what it is. I know he's very miserable. I get it. I understand what's going on. I know he has questions. I know a lot of even what his statements are about fear. But my thing is, am I trying to get my arms long so I can do what I want to do, or am I like the beginning of this scripture, and I'm a, am I actually a servant of God? Because if I'm a servant of God, and I look at the work of God, and I look at the, 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 the work of his son Jesus, a holy God comes down and dies for the worst of the worst, you and I. You get where I'm coming from? So, like, I know this may seem simplistic to some people, but it gets very hard and very, uh, very 
hard to grasp throughout our day, right? It gets hard to grasp throughout our day. That's why there's this thing where we have to rehearse the gospel often, continuously, moving in prayer like the Bible tells us, right? Because a quick cutoff, I'll be in the car worshiping, spirit break out, and then one cutoff in traffic, I'm about to break somebody's neck. You get where I'm coming from? It happens that quick. But God chooses worms. He chooses worms. He chooses people who have problems like that, who flip out in two seconds, too. Those are worms to them, right? He, 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 and, and he means that in a great place. But that's who he chooses on his team. No arms, Amy. All right. I'm sorry, Amy, if you're in here today. I don't, it's not personal, I promise you. When he says this right here, he says, to those who have obtained a faith. What he is talking about is a system of belief. Of those who have received salvation. So it's this belief in a savior. It's a belief in a holy, sovereign God. And, and he's talking about those who have chosen who are now in this group or whatever, right? But I want to talk to you about how important it is for you to understand what that actually is. Okay, so you must know what that faith is, and you can't let your faith be a vague cloud of church attendance and religious uttering and hanging out with religious folks. You can't do that. You can't, that, that can't be your walk with God. This is what we have seen in the church happen so often where it's kind of like, I love the Lord, and it's kind of a, a blah, kind of blah thing or whatever. But this is why Peter is making this point to draw the line of what excellence is as a follower of Christ. Excellence is that Christ is excellent and we are not, right? It seems simple enough, but it's also one of those things to actually be a stumbling block for us all. We, 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 we lean into this by faith, but it also trips us up in that when you go to esteem to live this out, you will also see the monster that you are. You will also see why the blood on the cross and him dying on the cross is so precious. Do you get where I'm coming from? Right? So like everybody, everybody I counsel when it comes to marriage or whatever, they're like, when, I first, when they first are coming to me, they're like, man, I just, I just can't ever think about being without her. I can't breathe without her. And I'm always in the counseling session like, beautiful, that's great, that's great. Other side of marriage, I get that phone call. You know what I'm saying? And Bri and Sylvester, y'all know, y'all do counseling. You get that phone call, and it's like, come get her. I'm about to kill her. I'm about to kill her. I can't live like this, and I can't, like, it's with, and you're like, hold up, Jack. I thought we was like, you know what I'm saying, like floating in the sky. But it's like, but, but, but it's a setup, because what, what I get to do is point them to Jesus Christ, because I'm like, that, that dream you had, you were romanticizing your own self-righteousness. You're not, you're, not you're not that awesome, brother. You're a sinner. Your wife's a sinner. Both of y'all need Jesus, and you have to hold on to him for dear life. You got to hold on to his righteousness, right? Because this line of excellency that you've drawn for yourself, you're never going to live up to it. And you're not going to live up to this thing that, that you're not going to live up to. Only Christ can live up to what he gives to us. You understand what I'm saying? He's already lived it up. He's already laid his life down on the line. That's it. That's the story. All right. 
I want to read something to you really quick. But this is imp- it's important. It's important because the world doesn't play fair. It's important because everything that's strong to the world is weak. Everything, excuse me, everything that's strong to the world is weak to Christ, and what is strong to Christ is weak to the world. All right? I want to read a text to you. This is 1 Corinthians 1. Um, I'm going to start with verse 18. Listen to these words really closely. It says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, this is the chosen people, this is that group that he is talking about in the very beginning. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose, you see that? what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord this scripture right here is so gangster and it's so gangster like y'all hear me say this all the time but verse 27 when it says but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. When I was not a believer, I was selling drugs, I was on drugs, I was an alcoholic. I read that scripture one day, and I was like what was for me the bottom of the bottom, right? And that scripture messed with me so much because I had got to a point where I was done. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew God was doing something to me. But I had got to the point that I stopped trying to make excuses for how I lived. And so... I would just declare, I'm like, yeah, what we do is evil. It's not that I was stopping doing what I was doing, right? But I would just be like, this is evil. And I just started laying out there so I would have to look it in the face, right? And I, and I look back now, I'm like, I didn't know the Lord, but I know this was the Lord doing a work in my heart. Because I, I, I went from being a rebel and being mad at everybody else and having a reason for everything I did and having an answer for it and because of society and this and that, I had a blame game for every single thing in the world that kept me righteous and everybody else evil. But all of a sudden, the way God started working in my heart, I started just going, we are foolish, we are evil. I know people, I remember when I first started dating Lana and I'm like, I'm in her, you know, I'm sorry, Miss Harris, wherever she's at, but I was spending the night. We wasn't married. We didn't know. Anyway, but sneaking in there after she had fell asleep. I'm sorry. We'll talk later. Anyway, 
Yeah, I know. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll talk about this later, all right? Don't do me. Have mercy. Don't do me in in front of everybody. But one of the things that got me during that time was I was watching their family work hard, all right? I'm hustling, scheming, selling drugs. Lana's in the lab at school till like three in the morning. And, I'm, and so it was messing with me. It started giving me clarity. It was just like, yeah, all those excuses are crap. Like, you, you, like it's wrong. And I, and I just felt weak. I was starting to become ashamed of my sin. I started to become broke. I, I, started, I started being able to, for some reason in my reasoning, grasp the foolishness of how I was moving. And so when I read this scripture, and I'm like, yo, God, I thought you used all the good people that got this stuff together. I've been sitting here like, yo, God, I'm going to get my life together one day and come see you. But to come see you has just been taking like years and years. But then when I read the scripture, I'm like, yo, you mean like I can go sign up like you use fools? I'm like, yo, God, put me on the list. This is the way God was working. This is the way he was speaking. I was like, you, you use weak? I'm like, God, I'm weak. I'm weak. I got somebody I love right in front of me, and I can't even do the right thing by him, even on my best day. I'm putting my best effort in, and it's pitiful. But God chooses what's foolish, right? And this, this is where it becomes the stumbling block because the pride and ego of mankind how hard is it for us to say, God, I'm broken, I'm foolish, I'm sinful, I'm actually in need of you, right? Walking in light is not our cup of tea. Repentance is not our cup of tea. It just isn't. You can see it, you can go on Facebook and watch every argument going forth, we'll cut each other to shreds in two seconds. There's no repentance, there's no none of that. It's just defense. We're trying to make room for our own righteousness and how righteous we are. Let me jump to verse 2 really quick. Hurry up. Verse 2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, and of Jesus our Lord. The first part says, uh, By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So it kind of sets this idea of the quality of believer we are based in Jesus Christ and God. This other part right here in verse 2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus, um, knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I'm not going to unpack this part as much, but this is about, just a second ago I was saying, you need to know what you believe. You need to nurture your faith. I'm not going to go into the second part of this, but I'm going to go into it probably after Mother's Day. But the next part of it, it uses this statement where it says, like, like, it talks about like supplements. You know how you got a bodybuilding and he's doing this thing, but he's taking supplements or whatever, right? I take supplements. You might be able to tell. It's cupcakes, carrot cake from Publix, a couple different things, whatever, right? And I don't play about it, all right? I'm diligent in it. Milkshakes, all that. But I'm just playing, but seriously. <laughs> the next part of it, it literally talks about your faith. This faith that we have is through the work of God and through the work of Jesus Christ. But it talks about having supplements and like this thing of working through your virtue and different things it starts to take you through. So we're gonna go through that some more or whatever, right? And this isn't about being religious, it's about being completely rooted in Christ, but actually stewarding it well. 
right? That's why I'm like, when you come to church, bring a pen and pad. Like, this is your life. If you're a believer, don't play with it. Be about it, for real. Be about it for real. It doesn't make you any more righteous to be more about it because Jesus already did all of that, but we want to steward what God has given us very, very well. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So he says, may grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So the Bible says as we behold him, we're transformed. He's saying that as we look towards the Father, as we look towards the work of Jesus Christ, that your grace and your peace is multiplied, right? A couple of things that happen with that. Your knowledge is growing, right? So it's, there's time, there's patience, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's prayer, there's reading the word, there's victories, there's losses, and they will all contribute to your knowledge of the Father, right? So you go talk to Tony and Connie. What they're going to tell you is about the faithfulness of God because how long they've been serving him, right? They're going to talk about being missionaries in other countries, getting thrown out of countries, losing everything they have, going through some of those things that we think are nightmares, and we're like, God, please don't ever let us go through this. And they're going to tell you about how God is faithful despite that. They're going to give you a testimony that comes from the long story, right? It's not a, they're not going to tell you about how awesome they are. They're going to tell you about how awesome God is. You get where I'm coming from? Your grace and peace is multiplied. The reason that el- the, re- the reason we're going into eldership is because, man, I'm young, I'm not that young, but man, it's good to be able to go to a brother when I'm losing my mind, which happens more often than I want, and they've walked this walk so long, and their maturity is this thing where they're like, I told y'all, Tony makes me mad with this sometimes. I come to him with a real big problem, and he's like, God is faithful. I'm like, brother, they about to take the building. The Lord will supply. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, but then I walk away and I'm like, this brother's a genius. The Lord, and, that's, and, the, and I end up finding myself in the same spot or whatever, right? Be, be, but, but in the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, his grace and peace has been multiplied and it oozes out of him, right? I, if, you, if you just think for a minute, think about some of the people you esteem as believers. Think about what oozes out of their life that you like so much that draws you to them, Right? the things that God does in their heart that draws you to them, that makes them so amazing to you. My wife, I'm like, I can't believe how merciful she is. I envy that. I want that. I can't believe she can deal with me and still love me. Like, she loves me for real. And I'm like, how and why? Right? It points me to Jesus. It points me to Jesus. I know it's the work of Jesus that he's doing in her heart or whatever. I envy that. If you start to just think about people around you that you esteem, you're going to see the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit working through them. That's what you're seeing. Grace and peace being multiplied. That's what our maturity is going to look like. It's going to look like knowing God more. It jumps us right back up to this first verse where it talks about this equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a story about how, how you keep getting more awesome. It's going to be a story about how God and his son Jesus keeps getting more realer, more awesome, more true, more faithful, and all of these things or whatever. These virtues that I'm going to be talking about, these supplements, are going to all be supplements about Jesus Christ and him becoming more and more realer. Because your grace and peace is going to be multiplied the more you believe and the more you see it. Do you get where I'm coming from? 
like we don't preach this because it's a new hot thing to preach. It's because we're completely in awe and overwhelmed by the faithful of Jesus Christ. It's like air, and it has to be proclaimed. You, you with me? All right. I'm going to read one more scripture to you. I'm going to read one more scripture to you, and I want to just wrap it up with this right here, whatever. It's Luke 18, 9 through 14. I love the scripture so much, right? One of the things we were talking about earlier was um, I was making this statement to you about how crazy would it be if I was saying, um, yo, look, you know, like, y'all need to be righteous like me and walk like me and talk like me or whatever and this and that, da, 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 and, and point it to my own personal righteousness as a remedy for you. It would be foolish, right? But I just want to show you, because I said earlier, that's one of the issues we see in our church today. In churches to, around the whole country, it's one of the things we see. It's, the, it's this thing where we've traded, we've traded the excellency of our Father and Jesus Christ for ourselves. We started telling our own stories about how good we are. Let me tell you, let me show you what it looks like in the scripture. Luke 18, 9 through 14, this is Jesus talking. He says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. If you don't know, tax collectors were considered traitors of the country. They were like the lowest of the low. People despised them, spit on them. Um, they were traitors. They started working for the uh, country who had came in and occupied the country. It's like if we got invaded by Russia, and then I was just like, I'm about to get on Russia's team and get bread and start taxing y'all. You would be like, we should shoot Jay on the spot. That's how they felt about these guys, right? And he says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, um, excuse me, I give tithes of all that I get. So this guy standing before God, he's not a worm. His arms are super long, right? He's super long. He's telling God what he actually does for the Lord, right? He's running his resume down about how awesome he is. And he's doing it, and he's contrasting himself against the disgusting tax collector. And it says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Saying to my text right there. So, God, God is a present help for those who are armless. When you feel like you have nothing to give, you have nothing to offer, when you feel like you're a complete wreck, when you feel like you just can't get right and you just can't get it together, you are in a perfect space to go before the Lord and call for his help and he will show up. Y'all with me on that? Listen, we're about to take communion. Um, if you are here and you don't we do this every single week. It's not a tradition for us. It's something we do as a family. When it talked about those who have obtained um, this precious thing through Christ Jesus, this is, this, is, this is that table for those who have obtained that. This is where we come together, and the, the, the Bible says that his body was broken, right? His blood was shed for our iniquities for our, for our, for, for our, uh, to cover our sins. And, and it tells us in the Word of God, it says, do this in remembrance of me. 
So we, we take this table with reference. It's not just tradition for us. It's something we do because it points us to Jesus. It, it reminds us what that scripture is saying, that it's actually what he has done. So if we reverence the table. It's actually a celebration for us. It's this thing where we're like, we got no arms, but the long arm of the law is on our side, right? Not the law, but grace. Anyway, this sounds good, but anyway, y'all put it together. But you get where I'm coming from. So we're going to take this table. The Bible says if you're not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, then you shouldn't take this table at all. It says don't take this table at all. And so, but here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus Christ, we want you to take this table. We want you to, to, we, we want you to be able to take this with us as, as, as a family member, right? We want you to come follow Christ. We want you to come get in our worm gang, right, and be a part of the worm family. That's what we want to happen. And so when we get ready to do this, there'll be people as we're worshiping in the front, and they'll be up here ready to pray with you. And so if you like, you can come pray. Maybe you just have questions, right? We're not going to make a display out of you at all. You can, if you have questions, you can just come up and ask questions. You can do whatever you want to do, right? And we, we'll walk it out with you. We'll talk it through with you or whatever you want to do. We can meet up later, have coffee, however you want to do it. But if God, if you feel God compelling you to ask more, say more, please come do it. Nobody here will think you're crazy. We all up in here have taken this walk and will do it a million times for what God has shown us in himself, all right? So y'all with me? All right, I love y'all. We're going to do communion, y'all.